Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It was lovely to see everyone back in the tent, but I did love uh, Keith the most. It was nice to see Keith again. And they said, who do you think would win? And he goes, it's like asking me to pick who is my favorite child, Josh. Josh. I love you, Keith. Love you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Breakdown Podcast, the last episode in Series 7 for us watching Series 14 of the Bake Off, because we are on the final week, which is very exciting, but of course very sad, because it means the end of the podcast. Boo! I know, sad times. (laughs) It's a sad thing, I love doing this podcast. Yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. And with me, as usual, we have the lovely Jane Beadle, Dan Beasley Harling, and Howard Middleton. Hi, guys. Hope we're all doing well today. It's final week. Are we all excited? Yeah. I am. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes, we are. We are, Sarah. We are. <laughs> You guys are so polite for that first second where you don't want to be the first one to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and then none of you can stop talking. And right. only that first second, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of bittersweet because, yeah, it's, um, I feel like we finally really got to know these finalists and then we're not going to see them next week, which is a bit sad. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, uh, I think it was quite a good final. And I think they sort of, I love that they, they said, you know, they would make this, this uh, a more simple um affair this year and i think they really did that and i particularly loved the showstopper and i thought the tech the um the technical was a good old-fashioned british one and the uh, signature was sort of gave them a little bit of leeway because they only had to make four of each so um i thought i really really liked the challenges but i'm really really sad that it's kind of all over now well me too and it, but for the main reason is i'm not going to see you guys every week I, that's the worst part because i just love it i just love sitting here chatting to you guys yeah, it makes me very sad that I'm not going to see you every week. I mean, of course, we could talk to each other every week, but we won't talk to each other every week. But it really well, cheers my day up, talking to you guys. It does. Just goes to show how sad my day is. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, I thought oh. you were going to say, I'm not going to see any of you ever again. Ever oh. We have classes, ever. Jane. It's okay. Ever again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> 
Now, before we get talking about the final, we do have to talk about our bake-along classes, which of course are also coming to an end this week. But we do have a bit of a spectacular one this week with the lovely Ooh. Howard, because we are going to be tackling not the signature, not the technical, but both together. I know. Yeah. You're doing shoe and a lardy cake. I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh I know. Uh, do you know, I, I, I am I am sort of about to have several sleepless nights about it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm do, I, I, I am doing, we're, we're going to do a, a little um, pre-video so that the, the lardy cake can have two proofs. So, mm. uh, and actually, Good idea. yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not using lard either. So it's not oh, really... <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm vegetable, vegetable. No, fat. I'm not actually. So uh, Dan Leopard suggests that white chocolate has the same properties as lard. Really? So it's yeah, it's solid at, at kind of room temperature, and it behaves yeah. the same way oh, in a really? bake. So I'm doing a, a layered white chocolate and cranberry lardless lardy cake, or hardly okay. lardy cake. Hardly lardy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then we're going to do some coffee eclairs as well to go with it. Okay. Very so. nice. Mm. Very yes. nice. Ooh. Obviously, so, yes, sweet, ooh, I'm though. interested in the lardy like, cake, actually, because I love a lot. used to love a lardy cake. and haven't had Yeah. My mother used to get them from the bakery, uh-huh. and my, they were my father's favourite. Um, and they are delicious, but they are really heavy, aren't they? Yeah. It's it, it's lovely actually because obviously because you're using white chocolate you don't need to put sugar in it because it's sweet yeah. enough already mm. and then the little bit of tang of the cranberry as well in there is is nice and you've got those beautiful layers. So. Mm. Lardy cake is delicious. Sometimes when you finish a cake, you're like, oh, maybe I can manage a second. But with lardy cake, you're always like, yeah, that's enough. Like, what is it? Like, it's, it's very rich, isn't it? Pete, <laughs> like, Pete, Peter's had a couple. Really? In one go, yeah. Really? Not a couple of lardy cakes. No, just slices. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. So if you fancy yeah. having a go at both the signature and the technical with some coffee eclairs and some white chocolate and cranberry lardy cakes, then come and join me and Howard on Sunday the 3rd of December where we will be baking both of those challenges. Don't forget, you can sign up from the Bake With a Legend website using the code podcast to get 10% off your booking. And if you are signed up to all 10 of the Bake With a Legend Bake Along classes, then we will see you there. Howard, I guess that dried fruit and pig fat was probably too hard a push to Americans. <laughs> Do you know, it, this, I think by the time you've got to the final, you have to accept that actually people are free to use their, their own flavourings in any case. So mm. I think if you don't like cranberries, put cherries in or something like that. If you don't want to do coffee, Claire's, do malted milk, Claire's. You know, they, we, we, can, we can make some variations, but yeah. Pig fat now. So they, they do though. I, I often our regular bakers often in the classes they'll turn around at the end of the class and they'll and I'll say how did you get on and they say oh well good but I changed all the ingredients yeah, I did different yeah. flavors. So I'm like but like I think fair play. No, but I think yeah. you know if we can get people really confident to make their own changes in the recipes, I think that's amazing. Absolutely. I think that's mission achieved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I agree. 
I to agree. be fair, pig fat and dried fruit is probably a hard push for a lot of British people as well. So <laughs> fair <laughs> call, Howard. People my age and over can cope with it, but maybe the younger crowd not so much. I don't know. <laughs> well, we hope to see you for that class. And don't forget, we have lots of fantastic Christmas classes coming up. If you want to make a mini stolen and some Leibkuchen with Howard or his fantastic Partridge in a pear pie centerpiece. That's a beauty, can, Howard. It yeah. is a beauty. Yeah. You can come and join Howard's classes. Jane is making her fantastic sausage wreath, which is absolutely beautiful, like a sausage roll, but huge. Um, or a chestnut <laughs> and walnut roulade, which is a brand new one this year. And Dan is going back to his classics, absolute classics, which are absolutely fantastic definitely going to sell out his bouche de noel and pranzikaka stacking christmas tree so we do have something whatever you want to bake at christmas come along and join either jane howard or dan for their christmas classes and don't forget to have a look on the baker of the legend website for other classes we have coming up in january and into february as well But let's carry on with the final of this year's Bake Off and let's start off with the signature challenge. So the signature challenge this year was eight highly decorated eclairs. Um, and as Dan, you said earlier, they didn't have to make that many, did they? They just had to make no. eight in total of two different types in terms of decoration and flavour. So we had some really nice flavours, lots of fruits and chocolates in there. Very, very nice. Uh, Jane, what did you think of this challenge? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good challenge, actually, for a signature. I, I think we've said plenty of times in the past that to be on Bake Off, you've really got to make good shoe. But you you've said to... it. You say oh, it every time, Jane. I do. Every I time. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make shoe. Don't come on Bake Off. <laughs> 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 that is true you've got it to make true. sure um so i thought it was a really really good challenge um, to start with i don't always dust mine with icing sugar though no i thought that you know i think the voiceover was saying you have to dust them with icing sugar to get them crisp you really don't you just have to bake them for long enough really yeah absolutely it's like nigella says if your roast potatoes aren't crisp bake them for longer it's the same with the clears. If it's not crisp, yeah. keep baking them. And if you take them out after they set and they go a little bit soft, shove them back in the oven. I mean, mm. you just, it, it's not rocket science. And Paul said something that wound me up as well. Just this week? Because they said, you've got to fill them with this, that and the other. And he said, if you overfill them with creamy ingredients, they're going to go soft. Well, you have to fill them to the brim <laughs> to make them nice. So what is this overfilling business? Um, Whatever, Paul. And you, you can't make your custard any less wet. It, custard is custard. or can, <laughs> Anyway, that all that aside, and I'm just nitpicking, um, I thought it was a good challenge, actually. It just, just surprised me. They only had to make four of each. Six of yeah, each, at did. least. You know, maybe mm. a dozen. Um, you know, four of each. Maybe they were just being kind. I for the, the start of the, the, the thing, but I thought it was a nice challenge. I think it gave you room for creativity and they seem to be going for these nice basic bakes that you've then got to decorate to your heart's content and perhaps a little bit over the top sometimes. But no, great challenge, lovely flavours. Dan had had a new haircut, my goodness me. There was well, I thought it looked very, very short, his hair. But I love I love the final because you get all the family heartwarming stories and meet, yeah. meet their family. I just, yeah, no, lovely, lovely challenge. I do love an eclair. Mm. I have to say, I really loved um, 
when they brought, uh, it was lovely to see everyone back in the tent, but I did love uh, Keith the most. It was nice to see Keith again. And they said, <laughs> who do you think would win? And he goes, it's like asking me to pick who is my favorite child, Josh. Josh. I was such a good moment. I think I genuinely was watching it just went, ha! It was just brilliant. <laughs> Keith. We must oh, forget he's Keith. got comic timing because he did stand up. Let us not yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. He did. So yeah. That was, oh, it was beautiful. Uh, Shout out to Saka as well. I thought, well, I think it's definitely going to be either Josh, Dan, or Matty. Yeah. <laughs> well done, darling. Absolutely, Saku. Oh, I've missed those. Uh, but I, I, I did like the, the signature. Um, one thing I did think, though, is I, I kind of agree with you, Jane, that, you know, why only four? Because the thing is, if you make bad shoe, I mean, yes, we all make, when we, we make a clothes, there's always a few ugly ones on there. That's inevitable. Um, but when you make a batch of shoe, either the batch is good or the batch is not. It's that you know? It's, it's not. Yeah. It's not like you would magically get like four that were nice and the rest were all collapsed, soggy messes. That doesn't happen. So um, yeah, it was a bit weird. Maybe just to cut down the decorating time, two hours and fifteen minutes. Not a lot of time. Could you make? Well, that's basically a class for us, isn't it? So yeah. it's yes, yes. like making a class in a class. Well, yeah, it's totally doable. Surely, completely doable. I mean, completely. In in the caramel class that I Claire class I do, we make two different types of caramel. We do caramel. Um, hazelnut spikes um, and we make the shoe mm. and that's with people long distance let's face it zoom classes do take longer to make something so yeah totally doable in the time totally yeah what did we think of uh, Matty's cherries though because I thought uh, Paul was a little bit harsh wasn't he what was the word he used the cherries on top look ridiculous ridiculous I was like <laughs> wow that's I don't brutal. really know why <laughs> I, think I think he'd listen. not made it he, he couldn't decide whether he was turning them one way or the other there, there wasn't consistency in oh, the way the that ridiculousness of that Gosh. yeah <laughs> ridiculous just they ridiculous. Did look at, to be fair they looked a bit messy he, he could messy have, was a better a word a bit messy, messy is one thing yeah. ridiculous is another yeah <laughs> no I, if, if i was going to put a cherry on top of something i'd use a whole cherry or, you know, I yes. wouldn't yeah. use like bits of a cherry. So I, I kind of get what you mean. But I just thought Paul was being a little bit harsh uh, this week. But then, well, that's Paul, isn't it? And I suppose it is the final. I suppose we could maybe let, let Paul be a bit harsh this week. What do you think? Uh, oh, I, I think we can be a little bit, a little bit. Um, do we want constructive, a little bit yeah. constructive criticism, yeah. maybe? No, destructive. No, it would destructive. Now in the final. Destructive. <laughs> you, you can't send them Bring away them as losers having destroyed them <laughs> saying their bakes are ridiculous. You can't do that at all. Everybody's got to have done well, but some people have got to have done slightly better, I think. It's like your children yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you've got to be sort of kind. Um, I did think, I was surprised that only Josh did a Crackerland though. Mm, I mean, me I, I'm, mm. I'm a huge Crackerland fan, but like it's such a safe way to control shoe. I'm surprised mm. more of them didn't do that. Mm. But then it does seem like from this this final, I think we really did truly appreciate how inexperienced Matty is. I think you know, uh, week one we all kind of pegged him as an early out because he seemed to lack a little bit of buttercream knowledge or whatever but he's obviously mm. made it all the way to fun he's obviously a fantastic baker but you know he sort of said oh, this is the, i've avoided shoe forever this is the first time i've made it this week or something yeah. didn't he avoided, yes, like he did. avoided it like the plague i yes, think he did. Was his, uh, yeah. phrase he obviously doesn't listen to the podcast because I clearly not. Clearly not. Matty, come and join Howard's shoe class next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> he won't be busy. He'll have nothing to do. Nah, yeah. not at all. He taught himself online, didn't he? I, you wouldn't believe how many online videos I've watched of this. And yes, he, I he thought did. he did a very good job. I mean, yeah. he's a quick learner, is Matty. He really is. He really is. Now, these were Matty's Black Forest and Bonoffi um, eclairs. Uh, with ridiculous cherries on top, apparently. <laughs> the Kirsch ones, the Black Forest ones, apparently they found one that was nice and firm because I think they were a little concerned about a slightly soggy shoe. Needed a bit more cherry, I think they said, but good chocolate and alcohol levels. And the Bonoffi ones, good solid with the banana flavour, but needed more caramel. But I think that's a really good praise um, from the judges there because Paul especially has often been very down on people making banoffee because he's like oh the banana isn't authentic it's an artificial banana and then when they do mm. use real banana it's it's not strong enough so he mm. did really well there mm. to get a good banana flavor mm. yeah did he put a, a, any sort of cherry gel in the black forest ones because that would have been nice if he'd put a I don't know not just put cherries on the top how did he did get he his cherries blitz? in there I think he blitzed a cherry jam, didn't he? Oh, did I he? Imagine that? Yeah, I didn't. I think, I think so. That would have been good. Actually, I love the idea of that. I think that's mm. very nice with the cherries cutting through the cream. I, I, yeah, I thought they were lovely ideas. I'm not sure that I would have bothered with walnut and pecan praline. No, I don't said. think you need both. I would have done one no. nut. I wouldn't have done two. And I would have probably gone for pecan just because I love pecan and banana. I would high hazelnut. I'm such a traditionalist. I just go for the like, go for the classic stuff. Hazelnut and banana. But it, well, mm. also with eclairs and Howard, you'll be not that I'm questioning your flavours. No, 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 Howard, you'll be very relieved to hear that I give you my seal of approval. But according to some French person I once spoke to, um, eclairs are traditionally that it's sort of three acceptable flavours: vanilla, chocolate, and coffee. Those are kind of like the three sort of classic acceptable flavours, and I like traditional i like mm. i love a vanilla eclair i Me mean too. you know i love vanilla you know i love it very but i don't think that would cut it on bake-off would it i think you get in you get in trouble for just doing a vanilla eclair it depends how much time we've got in the class they might end up just being vanilla eclairs if we've not got time <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just i set out there, guys. yeah shove it in we've run out of time <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you can't beat it can you nice crisp shoe Good chocolate ganache on the top with a wonderfully mm. flavoured Chantilly inside. Mm. Classic. Oh, no. Creme Diplomat for me. Creme Diplomat for me. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I don't think they would have had time in the Creme Diplomat, would they? I don't know. They might have done. No. But as long as you're not putting in a creme, what's the one you like? Mousseline. No, not creme mousseline. That'd be too greasy. That would be too greasy. Because the eclair isn't sweet enough to Oh, just match whipped cream. Oh, yeah, whipped cream Just whipped fine. cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can <laughs> I be really controversial? Yeah. No, no, you can't. No. Okay. What? Okay. Go on. No, go, go on. on. Say, say, I, say. Ignore I me. hate eclairs. Oh, oh no. 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 I hate them. I think I've right, just had really, really bad eclairs. Get rid of her. I know. Bye, guys. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. I just, I, I don't like shoe. I think I don't like, I don't see the point of it. It tastes of cardboard. It's it's like cardboard. You've got really cheap cream in the middle that's like, you know, squirty cream out of a can. Oh, no, well, that's and then, a lot like, of fake and the point, I think I've just had really bad eclairs. But I think, I've never I, had I, I think, think so. Like. And I think, I think the point is that ideally they're best when they're fresh, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, if, they've been, if they've been sitting in a box in M&S or whatever, that shoe's got softer and softer mm. and, and it's mm. not as... 
yeah, you want you want to fill them and eat them quite quickly. Really. You do, unless and they've got I... crackalan on the top. When you yes. still retain yeah. that crunch, I do love crackalan. I think it's yeah. a, it, whoever came up with that idea is genius. Uh. Mm. It wasn't me, unfortunately. I, what does it, <laughs> I thought it, it was. I thought Jane invented no. Bakewell tarts and you invented yeah. crackalan. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I did. Maybe I misremembered. But one one tip I will give you about um, eclairs, they're absolutely best fresh. Um, but if you do want to make them a little bit in advance, don't put them in a sealed container because the moisture will equalize mm. and they will get soggy incredibly quickly. I leave them uncovered in my fridge, but obviously make sure you haven't got any like smoked fish in there or something because they'll end up stinking of smoked fish, you know, like, so just be careful what else is in the fridge. Nice but yeah, mackerel you... eclairs, lovely. Mm. <laughs> Vanilla and mackerel. Um, but <laughs> if, if you... If you leave them on, like exposed to the air in the fridge, they will last for about twelve hours. Okay, like pretty much mm. okay. So yeah, but don't put them in a box because that'll be the death of them. They'll just okay. be a pile of mush when you come back to them. I mean, if it's a stack of profiteroles, I might not mind if it's all a bit mushy, but you know, not an eclair because you want to pick it up, don't you? You do mm. without yeah. it going bending mm. over. <laughs> well, maybe one day I shall I shall make some eclairs and um, and I can have. Proper fresh, nice ones rather than the horrible You've ones. You've sat through enough shoe classes. I have, you to can. be fair. I have. <laughs> yeah. But going back to the mac- mackerel and vanilla, I, I thought that <laughs> could have possibly been one of Dan's flavours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> along with his uh, Thai, Thai, curry. Thai green curry. Um, <laughs> But no, he didn't. He went very safe with his flavours this week, I thought. He did. So we had the strawberries and cream with a summer fruit punch jelly. And a salted caramel, mascarpone cream and praline and ganache and tempered chocolate decorations and all sorts of lovely things on there. Um, I believe that the, I think the strawberry ones are a bit messy, they said. And the chocolate soggy ones as the, well. Yeah. Are a bit soggy. Mm. And the transfer was too big for the chocolate one. It sort of it was drooped over shape. a bit. Yeah, you know he he Claire's are kind of rounded at the ends, and he put a rectangle on the top. It didn't really make any sense. You can mm. get eclair shaped cutters, can't you? That cut out the uh, fondant or chocolate or whatever, the, the an eclair shape. But that would have been far more appropriate. I don't quite. It's one of those weird things that seems good at the time, but then looking back, we've all done it on Bake Off, haven't we? Where you look back and like, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, mm. but I think he will he will be looking back at that thinking what. You know, but I think you know a big thing on top of an eclair is not necessarily attractive. He could have cut um, some half circles or something, and then interspersed it with pipe bits of cream. Yeah, a big thing you just shove on top. I mean, it was um, Richard Burr was the first time I'd ever seen that chocolate transfer, and he used it to great effect on one of his bakes um, Mm. in whatever series it was. Series five. Five, maybe. Five. Nancy's. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um and, and it looked very effective in that and it didn't didn't look very effective for Dan this week, sadly. Mm. No, I was surprised they were allowed to use those actually, because I think from well, when I did the chocolate collar challenge, they were like, I'm like, can I use a transfer? And they were like, uh, no, obviously not. Um, but maybe that's because it was, you know, there was a chocolate collar challenge. Mm. Um, but I was surprised because we're not allowed to bring sprinkles or anything. That's one of the things that, that, that people ask us, like, why are there no sprinkles on Bake Off? And I'm like, well, because you're not allowed to bring pre-prepared decorations. So I'm surprised that was allowed. Are you surprised? Yeah, well, I suppose so. Put like that. But they're quite tough on us with lots and lots and lots of things, aren't they? We weren't allowed to use shop-bought fondant if we were going to use 
funded. We had to make our own. Ezra, was that his name? He bought Shop on Punk. Yeah, but Mm. our Christmas special, both Andrew and I made our fondant because we thought we're not allowed to use Shop Bought Fondant. And the other Mm. two both used Shop Bought Fondant. Scandalo. I know, maybe the rules have changed <laughs> over the years. It, it didn't help them win, though, did it? So. No. no, it didn't, Howard. No, it didn't. I should go and get Ooh, Howard, my, my plate. you're feeling feisty this morning. <laughs> Howard, what did you think about the amount of cream that Dan put on his eclairs and the amount of decoration generally? Do you think eclairs should be... A bit more simple, a bit like the financiers we were talking about last week. It depends how much time we've got. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> no. I think I think you do. You you tend to want to see like like Dan was saying. You want to see the shape of the eclair, don't you? So if you start mm. putting too much decoration on top, you actually detract from that. So a little bit, you know, with a couple of coffee beans or a couple of lines of chocolate or something like that to to add a bit of. Uh, design to it is absolutely fine but if you start piling too many things on top well i i there was a point like a few minutes ago and i was wondering whether i could put a lardy cake on top of an eclair <laughs> and i thought no don't do it that's too much too much yeah too yeah, much okay. <laughs> that's where we're drawing the line good good yeah. to know love, love that we have a line to draw um well, let's also talk about Josh's as well, because he did very mm. well in the Eclair Challenge. He had a coconut mango raspberry one, and then he had a coffee one, uh, which clearly Dan approves of because it, it's in the holy trinity of, uh, of Eclair flavors. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> a, a coffee creme pat, a coffee icing, and a chocolate crackalant. Um, They looked pretty uniform as well. They liked the look of them, the judges. They were perfectly filled. They looked amazing. The fruity one was delicate flavour, but very delicious. I think Paul wanted a bit of sharpness coming through, uh, but they loved the coffee ones. Uh, perfect flavour balances. So only a couple of negative comments there for Josh. Yeah, really good. I just want to, I'm not accusing Josh of any kind of plagiarism, of course, but there's a wonderful, uh, surprisingly specialist shoe uh, bakery in London, and I'm assuming it's in other places as well, called Maitre Shoe. And they basically just sell eclairs and um, profiterole-adjacent looking things. And he, I'm not saying he copied one of the designs, but they have that. They have a simple glaze on top with some lines up and down and a little bit of decor. And it's like a very classic look that they do. And I think that's beautiful. And maybe he was on Pinterest or saw it, I don't know. But that's a very classic, beautiful design. It was amazing. That's exactly what I would have done. Um, which makes it obviously the correct answer, right? And he made them <laughs> long and thin as well. <laughs> yeah, like like they would have looked like plagiarism all the way. <laughs> no, but I thought yeah. they were. I thought they were lovely. They were beautiful. Um, I, with, I, I think Paul was probably right. You know, you do need sharpness to balance the sweetness, and obviously, none of us tasted them. But I think that's probably that was probably a very fair criticism, wouldn't you say, Howard? Yeah, I think so. I think if you. It, when you're looking at flavors like coconut, mango, you sort of think a little bit of lime or some passion fruit mm. or something just to give it a bit of a tang, I think. Well, didn't he have raspberry in there? Mango raspberry? Did. Yeah, yeah, but raspberry would give it tang. Mm. It's not as sharp as like a lime or something. You remember, Jane, you put the lime in the coconut. Do you remember? Oh, <laughs> and it all up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Harry Nilsson, the late, great <laughs> Harry Nilsson. 
Sarah, do you know what we're talking about? You I do. <laughs> Thank you. Or if you're Homer Simpson, you put the beer in the coconut and throw the can away. Ah, just better. speaking of fruit, uh, we have had a couple of comments from our lovely listeners that I just wanted to address with you guys. Um, Paul and Prue have said in a couple of episodes over this season that when people have used blueberries and they've bitten into it and they've said, hmm, blueberries don't taste of anything. And a lot of people have been a bit sort of shaken by this, um, especially a couple of people have written in from the state saying, what are you talking <laughs> about? Blueberries are gorgeous and they really do taste of something. They're passionate, yeah. Can we, can we address this? Because I always thought that blueberries definitely have a taste. I yeah. mean, yes, all right, they might be a little bit subtle and you need quite a few of them to get a big flavour, but blueberries definitely do taste of something, right? Yeah, but it has to balance. It has to come to the fore as they say, and so, yeah. uh, it struggles. And if you're competing with something like lemon, which is often paired with, you often yes. don't really taste it. Jane, you look perturbed. No, I've, uh, no, I agree with you absolutely, Dan. I don't say that very often. Um, <laughs> I, I think blueberries are a bit like cherries in a way, in that cherries are lovely to eat, aren't they? And blueberries are lovely to eat on their own. But if you cook them down... They're not particularly strong flavour. So morellos okay. for cherries are great, and, but I do think you have to oomph them up a little bit. But I think the beauty of cherries and blueberries are the shape and the, the burst as you cut into them. You know, if you put cherries mm. in a cake or, or blueberries, blueberry and lemon and you get a whole blueberry and it goes when you go into it, lovely. I don't think they're madly strong on flavour, like a, a good raspberry or lemon or lime. They haven't got that intensity, I don't think. I mean, I love a blueberry muffin. Blueberry muffin. Ooh, I love a blueberry muffin too. Blueberry muffin. But that's the start. But that's because it's got a whole piece of fruit in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And there's nothing else, is there? It's just, well, it's just sugar mm. and blueberries, really. Um, and it's healthy because it's fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah five a day, absolutely. Yeah. Five muffins see. a day, that's, that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see on Instagram, actually, there's a very um, lovely lady whose name I can't pronounce, um, who has got a massive following on Instagram, and she made uh, uh, blueberry buns, like cinnamon buns, but with this blueberry filling and she cooked down loads and loads of blueberries and it was a lot of blueberry in the rolled up bread which looked fab and then she kept some of the juice and made her cream cheese frosting with blueberry in um, and they that did look very nice i think if you want blueberry to be the real star of the show you have to use an awful lot of blueberry in mm. order to yeah so possibly just a slight over exaggeration from the judges because blueberry can be overwhelmed easily yeah you know we we have yeah, to make yeah. it taste of blueberry if you're going to use blueberry oh. okay it, it's and, also I'm like sure. strawberries and tomatoes though isn't it sometimes you'll get them and if they're in season they have a much yes. much stronger mm. flavor yes. than when Absolutely. they're kind of out mm. of season so yeah mm. don't buy strawberries in the winter people they are no. worthless yeah <laughs> and especially for those of you in the states you know if you've got really uh, that somebody's written in um uh, apologies if I, I can't remember the name. Uh, somebody's written in and say that they've spent all their childhood in in the in the blueberry growing region in the states and picks them every year and they're always beautiful and delicious. I'm sure they're much nicer than the ones we have. So <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah. probably. Yes, probably. Right. So that was our signature challenge. 
um i just i get quite nervous in the final because i know everything everything rides on this so i barely make any notes because i'm just so so watching the final so in our signature challenge there we have josh maybe slightly ahead matty in the middle and dan ever so slightly behind um but again we don't know what's going to happen in the other two challenges and is anybody's game um and we do we do we already watched it Sorry, Sarah. I'm going to miss you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I was building tension for the listeners. Sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, Uh, we're not having Dan back next year. No, way too interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) But all three of them seem to be pretty reasonably matched. Um, They've all had Star Baker. I'm just looking at my notes. They've all had Star Baker twice. Twice. They've all had one handshake, and only Matty hasn't had a technical win. Uh, But they've done. They're pretty well matched. I thought it was fascinating that they brought that up. I thought it was going to be some lovely foreshadowing. Yeah, and then. Yeah, sometimes when they raise things, you're like, this is obviously building to something. No. (laughs) All right, fair enough. (laughs) Our technical challenge, uh, as we have said, uh, was lardy cake. Uh, But this was lardy cake slices, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Uh, We had to do nine lardy cake slices. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with lardy cake, it is a, well, this challenge was laminated dough incorporating soaked fruit, soaked dried fruits, so raisins, things like that, and candied peel, um, and as the name suggests, spread with lard throughout. You've all, well, Howard and, no, Dan and Jade, you've both said that you've had lardy cakes a lot. Howard, have you had lardy cakes a lot before? No. (laughs) No, I've never had it. I've never had lardy, well, I've had the, 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 my version of it, which your, is very nice. Ones, yeah. But I did have, what are those things that you get in in Mallorca? They have those, I think they're called Ensamadas, and they're like, they're very similar to a lardy cake in that they are um, lard. <laughs> oh, and we had them for breakfast once, and I couldn't, I couldn't eat them. I just thought, oh, these taste really, really lardy. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. <laughs> so when when I was a kid and I had lardy cake, and I don't know if it was just one specific bakery, but it was quite a deep cake that you would have a little wedge of. I don't know yeah. if that's traditional or not. Yes. It is. Yes. Okay, fine. It's much more traditional than that. Yeah, I never had the slices, so I don't know if there's a different way that they're being made. I guess they just didn't have enough time to prove slash bake the uh, traditional lardy cake. There's two, There's a couple of ways of doing it. So basically, t- it is still a kind of bread dough, and it's still layered with, with lard and with sugar and fruit. But mm. you can either roll it up so that it's it's almost like a really big kind of, Chelsea bun or something like that and then it will rise up into more of a kind of domed cake which you can cut a slice of but it Ah. will still have the the kind of uh, layers in between or you can do like you would with puff pastry and fold it into a square and then you uh, you can cut slices of it sort of rectangular slices sorry if this is like spoilers for your class but like do you do it like a rough puff like with chunks of fat in or do you like spread a whole even layer what do you spread, do? spread a whole even layer so literally okay. what, what i i do is uh melt the chocolate and then do like you would a, a kind of 
um, envelope fold. Yeah. Uh, I, encasing the chocolate and the fruit, roll it out, and then repeat. Because so. uh, Matty had no idea, bless him, did he? I loved what he was doing, trying to get the fat in. Uh, it was just <laughs> like he was massaging it. In. Uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that was about. Noel enjoyed it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm just looking at your N Samadas. It's very, very similar, isn't it? Mm. Um, it doesn't look as though it has got as much fruit in it. No. It doesn't look no. as though it's got fruit in it at all, actually, no. in, in the ones that I'm looking at. And it's a common cuisine eaten in southwestern Europe, Latin America, and the Philippines, apparently. There Ooh. you go. Apparently, the Phil- Philippines use butter, though, which. Oh, is- they might do. Then it's no longer a lardy cake, really, is it? But There's then no longer I... a lardy cake. We use white chocolate either, no. Howard. So... Sorry, Jane. Well, I'll just get wrecked, get wrecked, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at this point, it looks like only Jane is coming back for next year's podcast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, cool. Well, I just thought it was quite a nice challenge, but again, three hours struggling with proving. I think is Paul was saying. Well, if you only mm. give them three hours and a hefty bake. Because that dough is going to really struggle to get up with a load of lard and fruit in it, isn't it? Um, you're, they are going to be struggling with proving. I think it goes back again to give them a bit more time if you want a decent bake on some of these enriched doughs. And there was quite a variety of results, wasn't there? there was, it was mm. often, as uh, viewers, we we can't really see the differences between them, but we could definitely see the differences this mm, time. So could. that was quite satisfying to watch. Mm. Uh, did they, they didn't have to make their mix peel, did they? Were they given mix yeah. peel? Because at some no, point, they definitely had to make it. Oh, good. Yeah. Because the recipe talked about, uh, the method talked about washing it or boiling it, boiling it in fresh water and then boiling it in a sugar syrup. Oh, yeah. Because we, when we do our quick and easy one, when we do, I can't remember what Christmas recipe that we're not doing this year in the past, we make some mixed peel, but we literally just cook it down in a sugar syrup for speed. It depends. It depends on the fruit. If you're using like an orange that's fairly that's not that bitter, then it's absolutely fine. But like if you're using like a lemon, you have to you have to do that because okay. it's too bitter. It's too un- mm. too unpleasant. But I think they were using orange, weren't they? I wasn't mm. really paying attention. Yeah. Was it orange? Yeah. yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay. Now, Dan's final um, technical, obviously, when he brought it out and presented it, was very, very dark. Mm, um, that's and generous. And I noticed that he did... <laughs> I think King Alfred was the, the phrase was. they used to describe it. <laughs> Oops. Um, People might not know what King Alfred meant, so... 
King, it's uh, it's a reference to a, I don't know if it actually happened or if it's just a story, uh, King Alfred, who, it was something like, he he's, his castle was invaded and he had to escape and he so he pulled up somewhere with, with a peasant woman and uh, they were making, they were grilling some cakes on the fire. Um, and she said, right, just watch these for a sec, I'm going to nip out and do whatever. And he was so preoccupied with his battle plans, he forgot to watch the griddle uh-huh. cake. So he ended up really, really burning them. And it's not actually as exciting story as you think. No, but that's <laughs> especially the way I tell it. Wow. I, 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 thought you got, I thought you got distracted by the servant woman. I thought. I mean, I wasn't there. No, I wasn't there. That's how the story goes. It's not an exciting story. However, it does explain the comment. It's one of those curious stories that you're like, why do people repeat this story? It's not an interesting one. (laughs) (laughs) I've also burned cakes. No one's going to be telling Why is King Alfred so special? We all (laughs) burned. But you weren't running away from the Vikings. I believe he was running away from the Vikings. Ah, Yeah, there was a context. All right, fine. This being the core difference. So what what happened with Dance? Because he he did turn the oven up for the last little bit. Well, yes, I well, know that. But was, he, he did turn the oven up. So was, was it that? I don't know what. It was one of those rare occasions where we actually got a little shot of the recipe. And it said oh, at the top, uh, 180 degrees circle term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm going to bake this at 200. And then he turned it up to 220. So it's like... No oh, right. it. I think, yes. I think that might be the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cranking up the oven hotter isn't always the answer. No. It can make no. things worse. And um but yeah, circotherm just is fan. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. It's a, a fan setting or convection setting for those particular brand of oven. They have a weird name for it. So it would have been like two hundred normal, wouldn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah two hundred non fan, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he put it. Was it? I I didn't notice that he put it to two twenty. But yeah, that would have been a mistake. That 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 would have done it. (laughs) But can I just say on Dan for Dan? Everybody else put cling film over their bowls, and he put a tea towel. He didn't use cling film. Exactly what I've written. I've written yay. So the technical challenge then. um, Dan didn't actually come third with his rather (laughs) overbaked. Um, lardy cakes. Uh, it was Matty that came third, bless him. He his was underbaked. Um, it needed more proving. It, it hadn't been laminated properly. I think he just really, really struggled with that one, and he was third. Dan was second. Um, very dark and overbaked, and uneven layers, and a bit dry as well. Um, which I'd expect with something that dark. Um, but Josh <laughs> came first. Um, he he got nine squares, apparently, was one of the comments. So good for Josh. Well done. Um, it was very light, good lamination, good flavour, and very good mixed peel. So heading into the showstopper, it looks like, well, it looks like Dan and Matty have swapped over from being second and third to third and second. Um, and Josh slightly pulling ahead with first. Um, Matty was definitely a bit disappointed going into the showstopper, but... As we've seen before, the showstopper can change everything around, so it's still all to play for. Yes, I loved Matty saying, oh, if if uh, I hadn't had such a good signature, I'd be quite despondent. And then it cuts to him on a chair looking despondent. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that was quite a nice cut. But he, bless, oh, bless him, him. It, was, it was pretty raw. And when he served it, I had visions of Gordon Ramsay going, it's raw! raw! <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that show. It's not that kind of show, though. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, that's what went through my head anyway. <laughs> 
Well, now it is time for our question segment. Thank you. A massive, massive thank you to everybody who have all sent in questions. We've been flooded with questions, which we absolutely love. And I'm really sorry we don't have time to answer them all. But we do have a couple of questions here. Now, these are all slightly sort of like behind the scenes technical questions. which I'm very Ooh. interested to hear what you guys have to say about this, having been on the show yourselves, obviously. Um, now, this is from Cindy from Chicago. So hello, Cindy, who says, is there a pattern to assigning which baker uses which bench since they change each week or is it determined randomly? And what about you three? Did you prefer to be at the front or the back? I'm sure there's a reason, okay? But we don't. We certainly don't get to pick. They certainly don't tell us. They just tell you where you're going. Uh, on my season, they kept putting me next to Ruby. And I assume that was because we had some quite good sort of back and forth. So I think they wanted to keep that going. Do you know, you know what I mean? Uh, but um, no, I don't, I don't remember hearing ever any rhyme or reason, Howard. No, and, and I I think they do tend to move you around, don't they? So I don't yeah. think you you're certainly not in the same place two weeks running. Um, you might end up in the same spot more than one week, but uh, I I think d- there's a difference as well this year, as far as I can remember. In the did it look in the final as if there were actually more benches mm. there? So sort of six or something. Normally, there's either the the same number of benches as bakers. Also, I've noticed, or probably one more if it's an odd odd number. But I thought that I... Well, we definitely had more benches. You know, did you? Remember... Jane knows she was in the oh, final. Oh yeah, you were in the final. Yeah. Did you have more oh, than so four? I was. So I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did because we had so many things to bake in in our final oh, and I remember yeah. using the bench behind and I think we all had a bench that we could use we weren't allowed to use the other oven but we mm. were allowed to use the bench for laying stuff out so I don't think there were 12 but we definitely had a bench behind us um or I did anyway I was at the back um for the final did you ever feel there was any rhyme or reason to where you were being placed no Jane? none at all no. it just seemed to change week on week there was one week that I'd had a, I had a horrible cold and I asked if I could be on a bench with a sink so I could wash my hands frequently mm. um because I'm blowing my nose and coughing and spluttering but no I think we, you just got moved around some weeks you were in the front some you know it didn't didn't seem to make any difference I couldn't work out what the difference was it I was near the front quite a lot during my season but that's probably just because I'm so pretty yeah <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Dad. <laughs> I, I must have got, I must have got ugly between week one and week two. I was at the front week one. Shoved at the back for the rest. We've had enough of this guy. Yeah, well, I started at the back. Oh no, I didn't. I was bad. I wasn't quite at the back. No. But actually, I don't like being at the front because uh, then you can't no. cheat in the technical. Ah, you see. Yeah. Yeah, Alvin and Jane, back or the front? What do you think? Don't yeah, speak. I think it's oh. better to be able to see somebody in front yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right at the front is horrible, not, actually, because yeah. you're, all you're looking at is the crew, or Paul and Mary in my case. And things. Yeah. So the back was quite nice, middle was quite nice, didn't like the front. No, feels very exposed. Ooh. Yeah, not because I wanted to cheat, because I'm not that sort of person. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the feeling if you're at the front, everybody else is talking about you behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
No, I'm far too self-involved for that. (laughs) (laughs) And another part of this question here from Cindy, um, the order in which you're called up for the showstopper, how how do they determine that order? Is it a case of you're called up in the order that your benches is and then it's edited in the edits? to sort of heighten the suspense because we often get quite nice especially in the beginning you get the the nice ones the nice ones the nice ones the really nice ones and then the not so good ones mm. in the edit that's usually the way the edit goes so did you notice what order you were called up for the showstopper in my season they always went in a circle it's never occurred to me that the edit is different um from the, the order we went up i couldn't couldn't re- never remember it that well but when you're in the tent, they seem to go either clockwise yeah. around the benches or anti-clockwise. So they didn't pick mm. one from one side and then one from the middle of the other and yeah. then dot about. They actually followed followed it round. Yeah, Excellent. same as they just went in a circle. And the thing is, yeah. you they picked someone and then when they went to the second person, you knew which way the circle was going and then you knew mm. when you were going to be judged. Like they, right. they never sort of told us. They just went, but they always went in a circle. Mm. Lovely. Well, excellent. Thank you, uh, Cindy, for those questions. And we have some more questions here from Peter from Washington State. Hello, Peter. Uh, Peter says, Dear Sarah, Jane, Howard and Dan, loving the podcast. Here is my question. At the end of the episode, before the hosts announce who is Star Baker and who is leaving, we see all the bakers sitting on their stools in a row. Does the director or someone from the show tell you where to sit? I often wonder because it seems like the star baker and the departing baker for that week are often sitting next to or near each other. And I wonder if this is intentional on the production team or whether you all just sit where you like. I just sat where I liked. Um, I just sat next to- <laughs> and I didn't care what anybody said. <laughs> no, I, 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 I typically, because I like a bit of extra leg room, I always would try to sit on one of the two ends because I don't like to be squished in and the school stools have to be tightly packed. So I would just make mm. a beeline for one of the end seats. That's what I always did. Okay. <laughs> in real life, I'm very antisocial. <laughs> I think you get the freedom to sit where you want, but occasionally someone might say, can you move there? Because, I don't know, you've got all all the guys together or something like that to mix it up a little bit. You know, if you've not, right. or you've got colours that are all kind of clashing at one end or something like that so you you do sit where you want but you you occasionally get moved i think yeah i exactly as as howard said but the only time that you're asked you're asked not to sit behind your photo oh did they say that they didn't yeah, yeah that to to, to, try not to sit behind your photo because then you, you i assume if i was paul i'd look up and see me going oh my goodness whereas if you're not directly in line then it's not quite so obvious yeah you don't want to be directly in the eye line do they because no. then if you're yeah, when they're yeah, judging yours because mm. although no. you're supposed to keep a poker face as, as we've yeah. all seen watching it you do not you never do must be really hard but also in the early weeks, um, we would try and look, because there's only, I think from memory, there's about four or five cameras at the front. So in the early weeks, you could look at where the, who the camera was pointed at to try and work out. We all knew who was, who'd done the best and who'd done the worst because we were all there the whole weekend. Um, but you could, so you could kind of see, but we already knew already, but you could see, you know, the two cameras pointing at the two people who did the worst, two cameras pointing at the two people who did the best. And you're like, okay, oh, I'm not involved in this. I'm going to get, I will not be in this shot, you know, because I wasn't the best and I wasn't the worst. So, uh, <laughs> but towards the end, there's enough cameras to look at everyone so you don't know. 
Well, you were much more aware than I was. Yeah, I had not noticed that. Dad's That's always aware cameras. when there are cameras on him. Dad's always aware. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Peter, for that question. And we're going to have a third question. I know. We're going a bit crazy on the last episode of the series. Uh, So this is from Mario and Doobie from Croatia. So fantastic that we're reaching people all the way across Europe. So hello, Mario and Doobie from Croatia. They say, hello, bakers. Firstly, I have to say that my wife and I are big fans of your podcast. After having watched Bake Off for a few years, it was a joy to discover former bakers giving their commentary on the episodes. And as far as we're concerned, the podcast and the show go together. We wouldn't have one without the other. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Now, the question for the signature and the showstopper rounds, the hosts first give a short description of what you need to make. However, how much more information is in the official brief that you were given beforehand? Are there some limits imposed on you that aren't apparent from watching the show? Uh, Thank you for the years of entertainment you've provided and keep on baking. Oh, go on, Howard. Oh, lovely. Yes, go on, Howard. Yeah, yeah, there are. So, so quite often it will be uh, sp- much more specific. And actually, the intro might be more specific, but in the edit, it'll be edited down a little bit. So they won't give every detail about all the things that we've had to cover in in the brief, really. I don't think we can be more specific than that because we are still covered by our NDAs. Are we? Um, are we, Howard? I think it's for life. I don't think we do it for life. Um, and we don't want to get told off again, Howard, do we? No. no we have been told off once for giving too much away. I think they don't include every bit of detail of the brief in the show just because that's not very interesting for the audience. Um, but, yeah, there are – you know, we have to run our recipes past the team, you know, and the team will go – are you sure this meets the brief or whatever? Some, you know, most of the time it does, but sometimes they'll be like, I'm not sure this is what we're looking for. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll do, do something different then. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's definitely detail that is not shown because it wouldn't be, it's, that's not the most entertaining part of the episode, is that we want to see people crying over a cake. That's what we want to see. That's very true. I mean, you, you can even see it in the edit that makes, well, that, that makes the final edit because you say, especially in the showstoppers, we're just going to have, it was a, a tiered celebration cake and then paul said we're looking for a three-tiered celebration yes. cake so mm, even then they mm. drop in little bits of information that yeah. we haven't heard yes. the hosts just say yes lovely well thank you very much everybody uh to mario and doobie peter and cindy thank you so much guys for your questions and everybody who sent in any questions and comments thank you all so much uh, we love answering your questions and hearing all the lovely things you have to say about the podcast which we love bringing to you uh, so thank you so much, everybody. Uh, obviously, don't send in any more questions because we haven't got any more podcasts to do. We'll answer um, next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but if you do want to send in any questions uh, that you think of now, we will store them up for next year. So you can still get in touch with us. Uh, you can send in your questions to thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com or you can contact us on social media. Uh, we are at Bake With A Legend on all platforms. So now we move on to the final challenge of the final episode of series 14 of Bake Off, the final, final showstopper. And as we've just mentioned, it was a three-tiered celebration cake inspired by the baker's very first bakes. This was a four and a half hour bake. Um, Yes, something inspired by what 
the first bake they ever made. Um, and we had some lovely classic cakes. We had a lemon drizzle. We had a Victoria sponge and then a chocolate cake slash Victoria sponge. So some very, very classic bakes here. Um, Howard, what did you think of this challenge? I thought it was a lovely challenge. I, I'm glad you clarified because at first I wasn't clear whether this was uh, based on their very, very first bake ever or their first bake in the tent. Mm. But, uh, yeah, me too. But yeah, it, it became clearer as, mm. as we went through it. So yeah, lovely challenge. Opportunity to do some really nice decoration and um, yeah, some classic bakes with, with lovely flavours as well. They're all a bunch of liars, though. They all should have just made a Victoria sponge. We all know that's what it really started with. Come on, get real. That's a bit harsh, bunch of liars. They were just sort of being a little bit creative with their choices, I think. Because yes, yes, who yes. remembers, especially when you get to my age, who remembers what my first bake was? I really don't remember at all. Chocolate cornflake cakes. Probably. That was my first Oh, that would, have been, that would have been yes. the most beautiful Chocolate yeah. cornflake. Like a yes. t- yeah. <laughs> or an illusion cake. Yeah. Illusion cake in the shape of a giant cornflake. Yeah. <laughs> or you could have done anything there. So, yes, uh, we had some lovely classic uh, flavors. Dan threw all the lemon at his with a lemon curd, lemon cello creme mousse, uh, a raspberry compote in there, um, Italian meringue topping, white chocolate collar, lemon macarons. <laughs> um, I mean, three white chocolate collars and lemon macarons as well as the cake. I mean, Dan's been criticised for going too much for it and not being able to finish. And I think that happened again this time. Yeah. I think where you went wrong was making the macarons. Mm. Um, and I remember Paul ripping somebody to shreds, and I can't remember who it was, um, for, for making dodgy macarons. And I thought what might have been nicer was to do some draw on or do it with chocolate some lemons and then put the background white collar on it so it was actually part the lemons were part of the collar or even doing yellow dots on the collar so he Mm. didn't need to make the macarons because they would just they take ages don't they by the time you've let them dry and then you've got to make them bake long enough and all that yeah so i think he i think he just I think he just it fell down in the planning, really. And mm. I don't know what it was is like now, but for us, it was only the semi-finalists that found out what the brief was for the final. So you really don't get much time to even think about it. Yeah. But I would have thought they would have enough in sort of the their repertoire to be able to come up with a three-tier cake because it wasn't a complicated brief, really. A lovely brief. And we all wanted to see something beautiful, a real showstopper. And I think they all just fell short for me this time, sadly. But I think Dan just took on too much, dropped the macarons and make everything else lovely. Mm. As as someone who flatters myself that I'm a bit of a specialist at making macaron, I thought those were rather disappointing. And I, But I think it was also very harsh of Paul to say, oh, you shouldn't have put them on, it ruined it. Because um, even if that was, was kind of true, it's an incredibly rude thing to say. I don't know. I mean, I know it's a final of a contest, but it just—I was like, "Wow, that's really harsh, Paul." Mm. I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't like that. But I think he underbaked them. I think so. When he piped them, they looked like the mixture looked nice and thick. It didn't look like it was too thin, which is normally what makes the feet spread like that. So I would imagine his oven was too hot. That's usually the other thing that causes that to happen. But then he had 
why why would he do that oh, if know. he knows how, I don't I don't know mm. I don't quite understand his collars cracked as well and his collars were short they too, yeah that, he had to patch oh, it yeah. and the, the thing is with a collar and, and everybody's going to be laughing because I had failures with collars in the tent you don't really want to temper the chocolate for a chocolate collar no because they will crack and when you cut it they then shatter so you you want almost untempered chocolate for a collar uh, and i think he probably tempered it you know timing has to be perfect to get a chocolate collar on especially a white chocolate collar yeah i just think he had a bit of a horrible day in the tent bless him yeah mm. it was uh didn't go quite as well as he'd hoped. Mm. Um, he was also very disappointed with his macarons, but it was nice that he got to taste them and talk to the judges in that moment and go, oh, yes, I think they were underbaked. Mm. Um, and we don't know what happened there. I loved his I loved his comment, though, at the judging when he said, work to be done for next week, though. So yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if he turned back up at the tent like the next week just with some better macarons? Like the tent's not there. It's like, I did it. Uh, oh, the tent's always there, Sarah. The tent's always, it's always there. there. I think it's there year round at this point. I don't think they take it down anymore. Really? No, really? because the grass still grows in the tent. Does it? You know, they can't. They don't want to leave that great big tent up there. They only use it for. I don't know, maybe 12, 14 weeks a year. You don't want a big tent in your garden, do you? But they do take it down. Garden? It's an estate, Jane. Well, it's just an estate. It's, it's garden. still their garden, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, let's, go, let's move on to Matty's cake. Uh, he made a chocolate-inspired cake, but also with Victoria Sponge in there as well. Uh, he did a chocolate Genoese. Uh, which, again, he, he said as well, was quite a brave choice for the bottom of a cake to support everything. Mm. Um, but that didn't seem to be a problem. He did a f- chocolate French buttercream with brownie crumbly pieces. And then his uh, Victoria sponge was lemon and rosemary with a summer fruit jam. And I don't think Prue could have said enough nice things about his cake. Apart from the lean, um, they really liked the colours and the decoration. The sponge was light excellent cake moorish i believe they said as well excellent victoria sponge and jam and all the flavors were perfect so i think to eat that was one of prue's definitely prue's favorites if not both of their favorites what did we think of that one so why did i write middle tier was underbaked did he trim it off and then stick it back in the oven am i misremembering that but i've written in the challenge yes he took his cakes out of the oven and he said oh gosh well the voiceover said they were underbaked um, so yes, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if he made and then another he one back in because does that work? I didn't. I didn't know you could do that. I've I never don't done know. that. Well, maybe you brought it in it... from M and S. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's written. Wow, one light sponge. Somebody said um, mm. he made French buttercream, which is one of my favourites. We've talked about before. You use egg yolks. Um, but you just don't get much of it, which so I, I love a French buttercream. Good old Matty for that one. Um, but the idea of putting a crumbled brownie in the filling just made me go, why? I think I think it was a link, wasn't it? He was arguing that one of his first break, bakes was chocolate brownies, so he wanted to mm. kind of get, get chocolate rather somewhere. than rather than transforming it just into a Genoese. Um, yeah. He wanted brownies in there. One thing that rubbed me up the wrong way, though, and I don't know why, but it really upset me, was that 
Matty said that he made brownies and brought them in and told everyone that his girlfriend had made them. Mm. Uh, like, what? What? What's that about? Why would you be... I'm going to jump in on Matty's defence here. I think being being a young man, being a young sporty man, being a young sporty straight man, there is a lot of stigma around around baking. It's it's very effeminate, which is, of course, complete is it, nonsense. Is I think it? there is. I think Baking there is. is. not gay. So, Look at me and Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and especially working in a school, he would have, uh, I definitely appreciate there would have been kids who would have, who might have really teased him for it. And if he's not been very secure and very confident about it, as his fiance did seem to give the impression that he wasn't very secure about his baking ability, then it's a way to test out your bakes without getting all the ribbing for it. And I just... I don't know. It, it seemed a shame. It seemed a shame for me in this day and age that he felt the need that he couldn't. Well, they're oh, all going to find out now. Well, they are. <laughs> they are now. And, and may I say that Lara seems absolutely lovely. She is uh, darling, I think they're very sweet yeah. together. I think, well, I like them as a couple. I think they're lovely. Yeah. Right. So then there's Josh's. Um, now, Josh had had a really, really good day before with his signature and his technical. And he wanted to do a take on a Victoria sponge with uh, all the flavours being inspired by his garden and the seasons, which is something that's featured very prominently in his bakes. So how would this kind of was a bit like his very first cake and almost like his first bake-off cake. So he's kind of put the two together. He had a little shortbread uh, greenhouse on top of his cake and then all the other flavours. There was rhubarb and strawberry jam. There was a lemon curd in there and there was some grated apple and all sorts of different flavours. I'm sure I've missed some. Um, The comments were the greenhouse looks really good and that was very neat. Um, The colours were nice as well, but they wanted the piping work to be neater. Uh, but it was very level. Uh, the jam was very good and the um, sponge was good with the apple in it, but the apple couldn't really be tasted. And the bottom layer was a bit heavy um, and a bit underbaked. And Paul then said... Oh, I didn't get underbaked. I'm compressed, I had. I didn't say, oh, okay. Was it, was it underbaked mm. as well? I, I, I don't think know, I heard that word, but maybe not. And um, Paul said, it's not boring but it's on the way to being boring, which just felt like such a slap in the face. Because Josh's showstoppers have been anything but boring. I also thought the criticism of the decoration was almost a bit unfair as well, because like it wasn't the most dazzling decoration you've ever seen, but it wasn't terrible. No. 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 It was more more work than Matty's, I felt. I mean, Matty's was pretty, but Josh's was more work, I would have thought. No, we didn't talk about Matty's decoration, did we? No, we didn't. And I thought it, it it was fine. What you might do if you weren't particularly good at decorating, but it wow. did look incredible. But he did. Well, Matty said that himself. Yeah. Matty did yeah. say that himself. Yeah. He did. He did. He did. He did. And it's a very effective way of decorating a cake to, to do that if you're not particularly confident. But it looked, mm. his looked so wonky, whereas Josh's didn't. Um, I thought they were so harsh. They said his flavours were adequate. Oh, no. Adequate. God, talk about damning with faint praise. I thought they were really cruel to Josh. Mm. I, I, I didn't understand 
they're judging it all on this. I thought it was it's no, just I weird. I, they, they, I mean, they focused on the, the, the little greenhouse with like sugar biscuits and he'd melted some mints. Yes. And they were did. saying, oh, you can really taste the mint. Well, of course you would. The melted mints. Yeah. Bizarre. It's decoration. Yeah. And um, I've never heard the term pipe work other than in plumbing before. I mean, <laughs> like you said, Sarah, a couple of minutes ago, piping, piping work. Yeah. But pipe work, the pipe work is not very neat. Well, get a plumber in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Oh, said, you know, we, I want to see more of your journey in the tent. What does that well, mean? I th- you know, he started off really well. He continued really well. And I thought he did a very nice job for the final. I mean, there's a lot of cakes to bake in four and a half yeah. hours to get them cooled and decorated. Um, you know, four and a half hours, as Alison said, ample. the time was ample. It really is yeah. to do three three tiers. That and side that, eye he gave her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what journey? What was he going to turn it into? I mean, I thought he did really well to get three... Te- layers stacked nicely and looking pretty. If you want them to be more highly finished, give them more more time for it. I just I thought they were really harsh on Josh. Yeah. Really, really harsh. I would have been very upset with all those comments. But what was so nice is uh, after the challenge, you know, they all do the little uh, talking heads outside, and I, I guess they ask them so like, you know, how do you feel that went? And Josh was really proud of himself. He said, you know, I've I've this is what I've put into it. I've set my bar and I've achieved it. And he was proud of himself, which is which mm. is nice. It's nice that they've grown into people who can trust their own ability. Mm. Obviously, you're going to get feedback and you're going to learn from from Paul and Prue and what they say. But it was so nice for him to say, yes, I've done well. That's what I wanted to do. I've done it. And by my standards, that's great. And the confidence in his own ability was really sweet to see. Mm. So mm. It, it is. Yeah. And I, I will say after going through, I mean, I didn't even make it through 10 weeks, but after going through 10 weeks of Bake Off, you're sort of exhausted and emotional. And for him to be so sort of measured and positive mm. and reflective so quickly mm. about his experience, I thought was genuinely lovely because mm. um, if it were me, I'd have been kind of like, oh no, I messed it all up at the end, you know, and it was nice <laughs> to, to see that he had some perspective already. And, you know, and, you know, we've all been in the tent where we've had things criticised and we've thought, well, actually, I quite liked what I did, you know, and maybe we're not as collected as to express it eloquently like Josh did. But, um, yeah, I, that's nice for him and I'm glad that we got mm. to see that. Mm. Mm. So can I just jump in here before we talk about who won and just go back to where we chose who was going to be in the final? Yes, please yeah. do. Let's reveal I found this. my notes. Yes. So me. I'm going to start with me first. Okay. I chose Dan, Tasha, and Christy with Dan as the winner. Yeah. Uh, so clearly I only got one person in the final. <laughs> Howard had Dan, Tasha, and Abby with Abby mm. winning. Oh. So again, sort of both of us were sort of only got one. And Dan, I hate to say it, <laughs> you picked... Dan, Josh, and Tasha. So you had two people in the final, and you picked Josh as the winner. I did, so but Dan none of us to... picked. Well, none of us picked Matty though. No, so no. Matty's we been all owe Matty a big apology, don't we? Because we, we underestimated do. him most horribly, 
Um, mm. So if you ever listen to this, Matty, um, we're so sorry that we judged you so harshly and you did a wonderful job on the Bake Off. Well, perhaps we saw his journey in the tent because he mm. definitely improved as he went along, didn't he? And got definitely. more confident. Yeah. So, well, I hate to say it. Well done, Dan, for picking two finalists. Uh, well done. So. In fairness, we all chose Tasha, so we're all wrong. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I'll take any victory I can get. Thank you, Jane. Mm, yeah. Well done. Next year. Next year. Next year. And so that brings us quite neatly to the final judgment. Now we don't have anybody to send home because after this everybody's going home. So we just have to talk about the winner. Now before we do that. Just want to uh, talk about the three uh, the three finalists and how they've all got this lovely story. You know, like you know when Nadia was on the Bake Off, everybody talked about you know her story and her progression. You know she was unconfident and didn't do very well, often coming last in technicals, and then she just got so confident up she went. So that was a nice story. Josh was like the strong and steady one. You know, like the uh, like the tortoise in the tortoise and the hare. He was very quiet, just very strong and steady. Dan was a bit of a wild card, wasn't he? Because he did really well and went a bit crazy with some flavours. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But he was always very confident and bold. And then Matty was a bit like the underdog. You know, he started off maybe not being a particular favourite, but just learnt and sort of went off and made the final. So whoever wins was going to have a fantastic story. And they should all be really proud of themselves for getting to the final. And so the final winner was Matty. Bless him. He has had such an incredible journey. He's maybe not the the favourite in the first few weeks, but he's listened, he's learned, he's applied himself. And that final cake, the judges said they could not get enough of it. So I think Prue said... There's no reason why I should have another bit, but I'm going to. So she absolutely loved that cake. And he's done so well. And uh, yeah. So Matty, for our winner, Howard, how do, we, how do we feel? Well, on on some levels, it's it's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Because obviously Josh has done it again and sort of come in second place. I so know, feel a bit sad. Um, but yeah, Matty's, Matty's face, he was just so excited, wasn't he? Just thought before they announced the winner that, it, you know, he might have just done enough and uh, mm. clearly had. So well done. Well done, Matty. A very satisfying result. I think it's nice to see the underdog come through, isn't it? And Matty, self-identified underdog of the Bake Off tent. Um, so, yeah, no, lovely for him and a lovely moment. So let's hope he'll be proud enough to take his bakes into school now and own up. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Matty. I think that I love the Matty. Lovely because he laughed all the way through it, didn't he? He, he mm. never seemed flawed by anything. He's just big smiley face the whole time, whole way through, which is a joy for us viewing. Well for done, For the Matty. audience. Yeah, lovely. So Bake Off 2023 comes to an end, as does Series 7 of The Bake Down. Dan, Jane and Howard, thank you so much for joining me each week and for giving your lovely comments and criticisms. It's been absolutely fantastic uh, and it's been an utter joy as always. And to all our lovely dear listeners, thank you so much for listening each week, for sending us questions and, of course, for joining our classes. And don't forget, you can join any of our upcoming classes. We have classes now running all the way through into February. So if you want to get some 
winter classes booked in after the new year to jolly yourself up after Christmas and the holidays, then please come and join us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at a class very soon. Dan Howard and Jane, thank you so much, guys. And we will see you very soon for the Christmas episodes, which we are very much looking forward to bringing you. So until then, thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Bye. guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.